Hey guys, and welcome to the first ever Dad's Group Podcast episode. This is a place where you and I get to connect with incredible leaders, shape the future of fatherhood together, and dig deeper into what is happening inside the minds and hearts of new and expecting fathers. This first episode is a great place for us to start as you get to hear from the CEO and founder of Dad's Group, Tom Docking, as he shares about the heart behind Dad's Group and how it all began. Before we get started though, I'd love to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the lands we all meet on today. I'd like to pay respect to Elders past, present and emerging and any Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people we have listening to this episode today. Cheers guys, hope you enjoy. But we just want to start from the beginning, mate. How did Dad's Group start? Thanks, Blair. Um, I guess Dad's Group started like most of New Father's journeys. Um, and after speaking to thousands of people across, I guess, Australia and the world, so many fathers have had a similar experience to me. Um, they've found out they're about to have a baby. Um, for us and for many, it hasn't been inside the, the plan of what we were planning for that year or that, uh, that few years. We had other plans. And so uh, it was quite a big shock. And I think my response was, um, I guess, fake excitement and fake joy uh, because on the inside, I was really panicking. I also had excitement and joy, but I was probably yeah. way more scared and, and worried and concerned and frustrated and confused than um, I probably gave myself credit for. Um, and so in that space, I was searching. And I, I you know, as, as I mentioned before, you know, my mum was a midwife. I grew up in that space um, around understanding birth, I guess, more than, more than, more than most people. Um, and yeah, I had a really supportive family yet. I still felt isolated and I still felt like I couldn't really, um, speak to anyone about what I was actually feeling. I'm not sure, not sure exactly why that is, but, um, without trying to delve into the why that was the case, I did find a lot of other people who had the same thing. Um, and I, I spent some time with a couple of friends during that kind of build up before, um, Evelyn was born. And, and the most comfortable I felt with those fears, those perinatal fears, those transition to fatherhood fears, were with a couple of friends who were fathers with their infants, uh, spending time with them. So we, would, we had a coffee or we were out in the park and I just felt like that role modelling was happening around me, that education was happening around me, that immersion into fatherhood uh, was happening around me and no different to work to learning another language you know when when I went and learned Italian in school I could only learn so much but when I went and lived in Italy I was immersed in that culture and it just over overwhelmed me in a positive sense and helped me learn at such a fast rate and I think for me that's just it, it kind of clicked it was like everyone has their own fears in that new fatherhood space. Everyone has their own concerns, whether it be about your relationship, maybe it's a new, maybe it's, it's a new relationship that you're in, or maybe it's a challenged relationship you're in, or maybe it's about finances and your work situation is less stable than you'd like it to be, or less enjoyable or rewarding, but everyone, you know, you might need a bigger car, you might need a bigger house, all these different types of things. This, they're just, that's just the scratch on the surface of, of the different challenges that I've heard about in the perinatal period. But we've all shared those common, those common elements of concern. And for me, you just want, you just want to have that, that peace or that safety or that space where you can chat with someone or listen to someone. 
And for me, it was listening a lot first and then asking questions when I was ready for that. And so that was the model that we sought to, to, to copy and, and, and deliver. We, we absolutely didn't start the first dads group. <laughs> They've been around for probably hundreds of years. Um, but we did start to research what's needed for fathers. And we did start to work out why aren't dads groups um, implemented from a systems perspective, from a health and social services perspective. Why don't, why aren't there, why isn't there effort there to sustain these types of positive community spaces? Um, yeah, and seven years later or eight years later now uh, on, on um, this week, um, we've just learned so much about that. And, and a, a key part of the reason for, for that is that new fathers have their dilemma, their time of challenge, their isolation, but as the years go on, they move on to a different chapter in life. And so um, what that means is the, the awesome little dad's groups that pop up around the, you know, around the countryside with a huge amount of motivation and effort from you know, fathers who, who have the energy and, and interests, it turns into a different chapter of life for them. And generally speaking, those dad's groups are not sustained. So that's probably, a, and so that as well as funding is probably the two key areas that we, re, we realise that good, healthy role model supportive communities of fathers don't happen without catalyzing them or, or, or supporting them. And, you know, as we've looked, not many health programs do work out work or sustain without funding support um, and, and catalyzing that change in leadership. So it's no different to any, any other, um, I guess, model of care. It requires um, intentional support and, and funding and resources. Um, yeah, I guess so that's why, that's how Dad's Group, uh, the organisation started. And, you know, since then we've implemented funded programs, non-funded programs, volunteer-led programs, events, and, and we really have enough data to understand what works and what doesn't work, how to engage fathers effectively, not in just ineffectively from your program perspective, but effectively from what's meaningful for fathers. How do they, after you engage them and, and, and do your program elements, how do they actually feel they feel connected and, and how is that different towards what they're getting from a hospital health service antenatal class a traditional antenatal class or a uh, or, or traditional digital health programs that's good man and i think like that's a very broad um element of the starting of dad's group so which is really cool so i'd love to go back a little bit so mm. you you've started dad's group you you know you had a good group of mates that you caught up with, you would learn from, you encouraged each other. Um, mm. Moving on to starting dad's group, what was the process of actually starting it? So you've had this ah, revelation, see, yeah. you've yeah. had these experiences, this awesome group of mates around you. What actually, yeah. and, and, and that's the thing is like, I know you, Tom, uh, we've had plenty of time together. Like you're a driven person, dude. You're an entrepreneur, you know, you're not someone that just sort of goes with the status quo. Um, so what, was the first steps that you took or the beginning stages of dad's group, you know, you've identified it now, now what? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now I understand your question better. Um, thanks Blair for that clarification. I think yeah. for me, um, it was, it was, um, wasn't a point in time as much as it was a, a, a time over a period. So essentially over a, a few month period, it was consolidation of these thoughts. It was those thoughts that yeah. I was having those isolation, um, those those moments of connection with people it was joining the dots. It was connecting the dots as a, you know, I guess you, some some of us don't have a choice. As you've seen the work that my mum did in her life, um, she's a social 
entrepreneur. She's a community development person, and it's mm. just built into her. You know, we, she, um, and Dad brought us up in an Indigenous community in Northern Territory. So the cultural importance of community is just ingrained in our in our values. And so when it comes to that, you don't really have a choice. But you see the world through a lens of cultural um, cu- cultures, but also mm. community development opportunities. So what that um, what that meant for me was I was just doing the join the dots and all these different people around the place that had similar challenges yeah um and then for me what I did was talked about it I spoke it and you said you know I had a whole lot of mates I didn't have a whole lot of mates I had one or two mates yeah uh, who were who were in that space with me but those one or two mates I could bounce my ideas off and go hey what do you think about this um did you feel that isolation as well did you feel like the hospital connected with you well there should be something done about that. Do you know if there is anything, you know, this, these are the questions. So I guess my response to your question is I started asking the right questions, which led me to where I am today. So, and those yeah. questions were really around what, what supports are there? Yeah. Um, what does the average dad feel? Uh, how well do the supports address how fathers are feeling? Are dad's feelings um, valid? Mm. Are dad's allowed to have feelings in this space, in that maternal space? Um, or are they not allowed to uh, culturally? And if they're not allowed to, why would that be? Um, and yeah. then how, how does dads have feelings and share feelings and address those challenging feelings in the context of helping mum as well, not taking away resources away from mum? Because that's really critical. Um, I, you know, my own dilemma there is not sharing a lot of my feelings um, because my wife has gone through so much um, a traumatic experience and I've, I've gone, you know, potentially vicariously through that same traumatic experience, you know, but separated from it. So that's all those things caused challenges for me. And, and for me to answer your question, what, what did I actually do? It was ask the questions that led me down a path. And that path was just consolidation of the need mm-hmm. um, and also consolidation of the general, uh, the will or the support that this idea of support would have from the medical and um, maternal fraternity. So that means testing those ideas with your um, child health nurse, you know, like I've still got a good relationship with our, uh, in, you know, in Victoria, our uh, maternal child health nurse. And she's at different times and her team have given us inputs on how to, um, how to develop programs to co-design and co-develop. So the steps, I guess, were over a long period of time but they were just edging towards, you know, maybe there is something here that could be done. Um, and maybe that thing that could be done would benefit lots. And if the gap in the service delivery from the health system is as big as we think it is, um, yeah, this is where it gets exciting. You, you think, well, this could actually change a generation um, significantly. So, yeah, and then over, um, over the subsequent years, joining the Australian Fatherhood Research uh, Consortium, and presenting those ideas and getting them validated by, you know, super intelligent researchers who are now, you know, consider friends and mentors. Um, it's it's been rewarding to see that there is a great need, um, and there's a lot of research out there saying that fathers who don't engage with their children in those early years have, you know, complications themselves and for their children and for their relationships later on. And the the mm. the, the alternate of that is. Um, is true as well. So fathers that do engage early on and are encouraged to engage and are supported to engage are going to have incredible 
family relationships um, and and their children are going to develop more effectively as leaders uh, as well. So, I mean, they're just obvious things to me uh, and to anyone who understands community development. They're not a revelation in the notions of what they are themselves, but they're just simple and basic and obvious and good, you know, mm. and that's, um, and so, so it's actually a journey of going, well, they're all things that, you know, if you're lucky enough to have a great community when you grow up, you'll know that these things are good and healthy. Um, mm. And you'll also know that not everyone was that lucky to have them. So whilst I had my own personal, you know, internal challenges, dilemmas, uh, anxieties, um, may, you know, different stages, maybe I was depressed, but didn't, you know, get it diagnosed. Um, in, in that space, you know, I, I found uh, a need that was valid. And I guess um, that's important. And as, as we all know, um, we all have needs at different stages. Sometimes we deny them and we don't, we don't acknowledge them as valid. Um, but how do we support validating people's feelings that are challenging and, and positive uh, in a way that's helpful. This is the important bit, helpful for that child, helpful for that mother and helpful for that family. Mm. Because a lot of the time you want to validate someone's feelings, but at the cost of someone else's feelings. And that's what the dilemma is for all new fathers is I can see you smiling now. You've had those feelings, you know, like I need help but that's at the cost of my children or my wife, you know, or my, 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 my family, you know? And so, so you deny the help and then you're prolonging that, you know, you're, you're crushing down those feelings and that's not sustainable. So how do we do it in a way that helps me, but also helps, you know, mum, child and family. It's a really complex one, but we're definitely, you know, we've got some answers now. <laughs> Yeah, and I would love to get to those answers eventually. Um, that's for sure. And 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 like definitely, there's so many times I could smile through that, dude. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I can, I can feel that. I can recognize with that. And I think that's for my experience been really amazing. Of, of you know being part of dad's group is just having those those other dads that just like you're saying all those feelings. Like I felt isolated. You know what I mean? I didn't feel like I should have these feelings, like or anything else like that. So that's been the great thing is uh, with dad's group is normalizing that. And it's like, yeah, you're actually expected to have those feelings because you're a human being. Um, yeah. That's massive. That's really, really great. Um, so that's really cool, mate. And that's that's uh, encouraging to hear how dad's group started um, and the things that have come to a revelation for you in that process. So in a practical sense, then, so mm. what is what is dad's group in its simplest form? So we've we've just heard about you talking about how you um, how you were convicted and the, the challenges you had as a dad, the gaps that you saw. How are those mm. gaps? What are the process of those gaps to um, have started to be filled in? Like, what does that practically look like? Trialing, testing, piloting. You know, it's it's actually science. It's yeah. a process of it's a process of applying science or scientific methodology to your, your, your thinking. And, you know, science, as any scientist will tell you, is not a radical, difficult concept to understand or even do. It's just having a, a hypothesis or a thought about something. It's then setting out what you think is gonna happen and then going through the process of identifying if it did happen. In our case, it was, you know, fathers need help. Uh, mm. What kind of help do they need? Um, if we help them like this, what, you know, will we, we expect the outcome will be that. 
And mm-hmm. we just went through that and we keep going through that iterative process for eight years. But, you know, along the way, you build a kernel of value and that kernel grows into a, a, a broader piece of value. And then another layer grows on top of that. And then by, you know, eight years later, you've got a sophisticated model of care that isn't mm-hmm. being implemented anywhere else that actually demonstrates how it supports new fathers who are isolated, how it supports new mothers who may also be isolated, how it helps them with their support pathways or where they can get help and also helps them connect and, and bond with their infant uh, in that kind of really important early early days, hours, months and years stage. So um, does that answer your question or did you want me to? Yeah, it does. It's, it's um, and that's, and that's a, point of these episodes is there's so much involved with um, dad's group and and what we're actually trying to achieve so it it does answer some of my point and I was again a rabbit hole that I can dig into going down there but I think that's gonna be for another episode for sure Uh, what did it look like when it started like like we wondering about what um, like we ran we connected with different community organizations and and hosted barbecues and coffee catch-ups so that's um that was fundamentally what we did we we went out there on facebook um found fathers in the area um actually the key point of catalyzing an actual first dad's group was mum's group so kate's mum's group chatting to the mums not all the dads were doing well they we had a so kate's, your, kate's your wife my wife yeah, sorry, so, yeah. Um, uh, to be very clear, Kate is my wife. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, yeah, so Kate and I will talk about these things and I'm kind of consolidating my ideas around the needs for fathers in a way that supports mothers and she kind of tests that theory with the mothers at Mother's Group and there's that just opened up a can of worms at Mother's Group and you're like, okay, great, we found it. You know, this is a need. Um, all different types of fathers there all different capabilities and interests um you know all different types of relationships there in the mother's group so it was the perfect start you know um place to start and just inviting some of those dads down to catch up for a coffee with the baby was the first thing and then um you know over the time we realized calling it a dad's group and inviting more people outside that small unit has been what changes it from like a benefit to you and your mates to a benefit to the wider community in an intergenerational, you know, social impact piece. And that's mm. what that's what we do in Dadgroups. Find people who go, yeah, I'll catch up with my mates and we go to the park and have a coffee. And that's good. It's really good. It's like 80% of what we want all, of, all fathers to have access to. The last 20% is what changes it for the guy who doesn't have access to that. For the yeah. guy who's had a new baby, but just came, just into, you know, relocated interstate and hasn't, his, his partner's not part of a mum's group. You know, his, his parents and family support friends aren't there. And it's, it's those people who the system drops that we need to catch. It's, you know, we don't have, of course, it's not our responsibility as the average dad to go and help everyone, but is our, it is our opportunity. Without yeah. And I mean, all of us are seeking to have more purpose in our lives or address some of the, the needs that we have and as a new father you have no time you have no resources you can go and drink a coffee with a guy and provide a space for him to connect with you around what's important and and happening now for you and that is that is fatherhood new transition to fatherhood so yeah that's um that's what it first looked like connecting with the mums groups 
going and meeting coffee, I think, uh, down at Stazione Cafe in, in Ringwood, and then just opening it up to the community, come on down. And we just met, you know, some of the people have been with us for years through that process. Yeah, that's awesome. So that's, and then the thing, so how did you get from that, um, the local catch up? So you started off with mother's groups and you just caught up with the dads in the mother's group. And then you went out from there and started other dads groups. And it was a slow transition from to there. How have you, what was the next step after that? Because I mean, that's the thing is dads groups are a lot broader than just the community groups now. And we're going to get to that point. What was the next step after dads groups starting up? Uh, the next step was was going well. This is this is a thing that we need to, you know, either put more effort into and make into a, um, you know, a, I guess a movement, or, or it's something that it was nice and then we're moving on to the next chapter. And I talked, I referred to that a little bit before around, you know, researching that space. So that was a big next step. It was a big next question. Is well, you just do your local dad's group and that was your chapter and you move on. And you go back to work and you work for the for the man or you work for the company or whatever um or is this something that you can you want to invest a significant chunk of your life into and um you know maybe five years or something and then we looked looked into that and i guess the answer was no one's been able to sustain those those changes no one no one's there long enough to, to do anything about it for a period of time that impacts the system uh, so that that was that was the answer. We needed to, well then to make social change. You need to set up a an entity. You need to get a board. You need to set up a structure. At that time, it was a Victorian-based structure, uh, incorporated association. Now it's moved into a national program. So uh, you know a national uh, type of entities behind that to be able to do that and register with the ACNC and all that kind of thing. But there's a whole bunch of admin um, and governance that's required to do to to continue that change. I think, you know, that's probably why a lot of people stopped as well. It's like there's a big gap between doing a coffee catch up with dads and maybe making two other groups to then to actually making that a program scalable um, intended to change the system. You know, these mm. are big, big uh, 25 year generational things. And that's when for, for me, it was like, yeah, I think, you know, if you, you leave your, leave your mark on the world doing something that um, needs to be done. That's, that's a good thing. You know, like in that transition as well, you're thinking I'm going to be a dad. So who am I as a father for these kids when they're five, 15, 25, 35, what am I displaying that's going to show them that, you know, I invested my time in, in something that I believed in and how yeah. am I going to, how am I going to, you know, help them to make good decisions in that space? Um, they don't need to be the same decisions or, or even similar, but well, they'll see that, you know, I made decisions around a need that I saw in the world and, you know, hopefully I'll leave the world a, a far better place for these kids and these mums and these dads who are going through challenging times. Um, and I won't do it because I've met and helped them all, but I'll do it because I've spent enough time, like years working out all, well, how do we actually make this change and how do we work with people to, to co-design a solution that will actually help these new mums and um, and how do we do it in a way where we're not the face of it all you know we don't need to be the face of it all we just need to be behind the scenes working collaborating joining the dots helping those programs implement 
and then and then working out evaluating them making sure they actually do help and they don't hinder and they you know and, and that has been yeah you know, i guess the joy of my work has been and the pain at the same time the pain of my work is doing that and the joy of my work is is when it works and you know oh i'm just so grateful to have met some incredible leaders from all across incredible organizations and people who have founded organizations people you know um fearlessly lead organizations into new chapters uh all in that space and and people who actually you know you meet people who don't want to collaborate they want to do it themselves um and they're always they're always surprised to me even though i shouldn't be surprised um but then you meet people who genuinely go yeah no nah, we can work with you on that and we can help the people who we help with a little bit of what you're doing and we'd love to do that and you know that's what makes the work rewarding um, yeah and i just you know that's what builds our partnerships with you know panda sms for dads and uh, the organizations that you know you university of sunshine coach people who are we don't really um we don't partner essentially with brands we partner with incredible leaders and each, yeah. each of those brands you know healthy male like they have leaders that have a heart that have a genuine interest for supporting and they 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 demonstrate that through their leadership yeah and that's what i was really going to get into next it's something that i really appreciate about you tom and the way that you uh run this organization lead this organization it isn't about making a name for dad's group it is about that impacts that we can have and it's not even just about the impacts that we can have it's about the impacts that can be had by mm. all involved, right? So that collaboration exactly. is absolutely amazing. And it's so great to be a part of that. And as you mentioned, I, I do want to shout out to our, some of our partners, Panda, SMS for Dad, Healthy Mail, uh, University of Sunshine Coast. Like these guys have been absolutely amazing uh, and doing amazing work. There's another part too, and, and um, that I really want to dig into is the hospitals. Um, you have a great relationship with hospitals and midwives. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that about like, why that's so important to you? Why are hospitals so important to you to get into? Yeah. Um, oh, look, firstly, mum, like I mentioned, being a midwife in the antenatal space, uh, educating new parents uh, on, on the changes that are about to happen um, is something that is core to what we what we do now um, because it it's um, but it's also an area of personal interest and passion. I think, arguably. I don't know if anyone would agree with me, but nurses and midwives, they've, they've always been the nicest people that I've met across the world. Yeah. Like they're just, they are carers. They're genuine, yeah. genuine carers. They, they work and work and work and work to support and care, to support and care, um, you know, to their own detriment often, which is not, not advisable or good, but, you know, they, they demonstrate caring for people. Uh, and in that space, it's a really good space to start designing programs with people who care yeah. um and and they're so important not just because of the carers but the people who are seeking to help are new and expecting mothers and fathers uh and they're the experts in caring for the, the mothers in those spaces you know and they're also better qualified to help understand the plight or the challenges or the fear or the confusion of the fathers in that space too right so we know yeah. we know about the fatherhood challenges um from lived experience as fathers ourselves they know about it from a medical professional perspective where they see a concerned father and have nothing to give him to support him 
And that's the perfect, you know, nexus of connection for us is like, you know, they're going this way uh, to support the mums. We're going this way to support the dads. But there's a place where we meet in the middle and we, we ex almost exchange cards and exchange pamphlets and we're like, okay, oh, you're helping the mum. Cool, oh, I'm helping the dad. Great. He, he, this is what you can say to help the mum. And oh, here's this is what you can say, say to help the dad. Oh, thank you. I didn't actually know we could do that. And, and that, that's a great pro. Okay, thank you. Cool. And then you move off and, and you go and do your jobs, right? And so that in that yeah, space, yeah, yeah. hospitals and midwives and, and nurses and, um, you know, executives of hospitals are equally important. You know, I remember Helen, um, one of the amazing midwives in um, in our program, just said, Tom, come and meet David Rosengreen. He's really, you know, um, he, he makes himself available to all the staff in the hospital every Thursday at this time. Um, come and tell him about that, you know, dad's group and the projects that you're doing to engage fathers. I reckon he'll really appreciate that. And he, he did. Like, we went down there, we chatted to him. He was an executive at one of the hospitals, Metro North um, at the time. And, and he just listened. And yeah, he, he liked what we were doing. He could see the need for it. Um, but then him and, and other people in the hospital, Karen Lust is a, an executive director there as well. You know, they, they really get it. Um, yeah. And then when you've got the person, the cold face, so the midwife or antenatal class, you know, professional, um, working with their executive team and the executive team get it, they're on board, you know, Karen, as I mentioned before, she put a man with a pram shirt on and raised money gun. for the cause. She's I've a gun. She gets out there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's just like, it's, um, they're, they're powerful. They're gatekeepers. They open the doors for us because they know that we're here for the long term. Yeah. Um, David, again, like they open the doors for us. They, you know, they stand up in executive meetings and say, this is a valuable project. Uh, and it's it's worthwhile us, you know, exploring how to support fathers more effectively and mothers across all our, all our health services. To us, that's like, you know, that's years worth of work because we've put in this this time to to um, run programs in the community, run digital programs, run hospital antenatal class programs, then validate it all, evaluate it all, both internally and external evaluation, so that we can finally say to someone. You know, like these people, Karens and the Davids of the world, like this is really changing lives. Um, we want to be able to say, and this is where we work probably with, you know, um, uh, people like Jackie from from Deakin and, and University Peru from University of Sunshine Coast and Nick Stevens from Sunshine Coast University. We want to be able to say this will change the long term outcomes for infants, right? And I'd love to be able to demonstrate over you know ten or twenty year period the changes in the infants um, in their growth and development because of engaging with, with, um, with, with fathers in an effective way, um, both from that antenatal space through the community space. Um, and a perfect example of that is, which, um, you know, this weekend we're at the, the Pregnancy and Baby and Children's Expo in um, Brisbane, which is a place that we've always been, you know, the great partners of ours help us to get there and connect with the dads. But one of the dads, Oh, how are you going? He said, oh, I met you at the antenatal class. Like, oh, cool. So you've been through, he said, yeah, I went to Caboolture Hospital. Like, oh, wow. Yeah, I met dad's group there. And then, you know, we um, kind of, uh, you know, had my baby and now I'm here now. I'm like, oh, you're, you're solo. He's like, yeah, yeah, I'm, oh, your wife's working or partner's working. And I'm like, oh, that's pretty impressive. You know, this guy's 20 something years old. Like he's, he's a young dad. He's out there with his 
almost one-year-old child pushing his pram. Oh, tell us about your experience. I've been fascinated to actually hear what happens after, you know, what that process for you. And he's like, oh, you know, I joined up some of these different dads groups, and um, I've also I said, oh, have you been able to connect with any dads in a in a in a good way where you got a friend? He's like, no, nah, not really. Oh, just with with Keegan. And then I'm like, oh, hi, Keegan. <laughs> so I talked to Keegan, I talked to this guy, James, and, you know, like, they will have no idea, but they are ticking the box on everything that we would hope for them to be doing. They're hanging out together. Uh, they're with their kids. You know, they're taking the kids to parks. They're, they've got complex situations, you know. Not all, not, you know, fatherhood for them hasn't been a, a great experience, you know. Absence of fathers, lack of fathering, um, but together, these two young 20-year-olds uh, understand the importance of being a good dad and they have a drive to be a good dad, so much so that they are, you know, he even said, you know, we get laughed at about by our young mates as well because we just, we're the two dads that hang out with our kids, you know. Um, so they're standing against the culture of, of what they're in and they're supporting each other. And then I said, oh, that's in, an incredible story, like, how, you know, tell us more about it. And, and the other, one of them said, yeah, one of us went through a really dark time of depression and anxiety and, you know, we're just always there for each other. Yeah. And when I heard that, I'm like, this is, this is where it's at. This is what we want. We want everyone to be able to have access to that kind of support. And really we're building basic friendships, you know, in yeah. that period. And that's, I guess, the point about where this all starts. The research that we founded this on was that, um, the men's social connectedness study in 2011 um, was a highlighted that fathers reduced their social connections. Essentially, they, new fathers have no mates. Like that's if you yeah. want to, you know, consolidate that, they'll distill that down. New fathers, no friends. Uh, and every single one of us has had that challenge in our, in our mm. new father journey at different stages, or at least felt like you don't have any friends. Um, and that's, and, and so these guys have been able to be mates, support each other. Uh, you know, hang out together, encourage each other, and then come back to the baby expo because, you know, what the other guys are about to have his, another baby, you know, with his partner yeah. as well. And she, she was there too. And, you know, just that is the narrative we want. And because we know the opposite narrative is struggle down more and more complex and severe anxiety, depression outcomes, you know, and then, you know, the tragic things can happen like isolation, suicide, family violence. Um, and these horrible outcomes for the, for, for the kids. And they're avoidable um, and through really simple measures, as long as the measures are done with the level of, um, uh, I guess, frameworks of, of, of control and support that are, that are able to support fathers you know, throughout the process in a way that's, I guess, evidence-based and, and well-researched. That's great, man. And that story was what I was really fishing for because, uh, and it's so true, man. It's like, and again, what I love about the way uh, Dad's Group's approach is collaboration, you know what I mean? And just bringing in all these different resources that are out there um, and just coming together and, and working together because amazing stuff happens. And like these two guys, I met them as well at the PBC Expo. And it was mm. so encouraging to me, dude. Like, you know, this is, 
this is yeah. what we're trying to achieve and they they've yeah. done it like they've gone yeah. out and they've supported each other and they met at an and they had no course, idea right and they had no idea exactly right <laughs> exactly right they had no idea that's what we were trying to do and it was through the hospital program that that happened and and again you know not trying to re- dad's group's not about trying to reinvent the wheel it's trying to collaborate with people that are doing amazing work already and we're just trying to encourage dads and bring dads into that space that's awesome um, I've, got, I've got two questions here. I'm going to finish up here because I think that's great, Tom. I um, really love these conversation, this conversation and these explanations of a broader aspect of Dad's group, right? And we're going to, through episodes, we're going to get more detailed about, you know, ex- like specifics of Dad's group and how that's actually played out. But I do have a, a question here in the chat and I do want to ask, I've got two questions. Um, I'm, going to, I'm going to break them into two or three parts, but... Um, I'm going to answer one of them. How could I go about starting a local dad's group? That's very straightforward. You sign up on our website and there's an option um, for you to tick saying that you want to start one. If there's not one in your area, so you'll go to our website and you'll be able to have a look to see if there is a dad's group in your area already. If there's not, you can um, sign up and let us know and we'll get back in touch with you. And there's a process that we'll follow to get you up and running. It's very straightforward and very simple, but that's the process is through our website. Um, And um, the other question is, how can I get involved? Again, if you are a volunteer and you want to get involved with the broader element of, of dad's group, same thing, website, and then you tick that option of getting involved. If you're a partner and you would like to get involved, we would love to have a chat with Tom. Tom, can you just have a chat to them about what it is you're looking for in a partner and but also what that process can be about collaborating with dad's group? Yeah, so do you mean partner wife or partner organisation? <laughs> whatever floats your boat, mate. We're up, whatever. <laughs> if, you, if you're um, wanting to get involved, um, we're, we're, we're desperate for highly qualified people who can do great stuff. So if you or your partner um, have qualifications in, um, in, in spaces regarding, you know, program delivery, coordination, you know, events and that type of expertise, uh, digital, any of those sorts of things, um, we... We, we were really looking for those people who can help us build our organisation capacity. Um, it's not people who are like, oh, yeah, I reckon I can do that. I reckon I can do a strategy for. It's people who, you know, if it's in the strategy space, you do strategy. You've done it for 10 years. You know, you kill it in the strategy space. They're the types of people who might be on maternity leave or paternity leave who were like, yes, we'd love to work with you because you can bring something to us that enhances us, skills us up, and launches us into the next level of that kind of um, organisational area or department. So that's for the individuals with, with you know, skills. There's people who just want to be, you know, to be part of it. And that's also really valuable. Um, in those cases, the simple things you can do, such as, um, you know, get a shirt, dad's group shirt or a man of the pram shirt, and post about your experience as a father and connecting with other dads and, and just, you know, share on social media our, our messages but that's if, if if you're limited to your capacity in, in a small amount uh, and as Blair said that's uh, the way in which to connect us and notify us so it goes through our systems and we actually get back to you and, and manage that process well for you uh, if you're an organization uh, and you see this aligns with your organization or maybe it's your you're a family-friendly workplaces which are one of the I think 70 or 80 organizations that have come on board which is you know, through the work that parents at work are doing um, and you align with the message of supporting fathers in that perinatal period. Um, we run programs for uh, fathers in the corporate space to help con- them connect with their identity transition. Um, and, you know, 
any kind of organization in that space that wants to get on board, we would love to have organizational support. We haven't got, we, we really um, haven't got a lot of organizational uh, sponsors uh, or partners. And we, I guess we're looking for those ones who genuinely get what we're doing and aren't looking to potentially sell their services by partnering with a charity. That's not, not how we um, operate. We, we want organizations that have a genuine uh, understanding of perinatal mental health needs, either personally as a, as a leader from the organization or professionally in their, in their scope um, of work. Um, and that way we're partnering with organizations that will be, you know, this is a 25 year um, uh, crime change or generational change for us and, and, a, and a vision. So if organizational partners, if they bounce in for six months and then bounce out, that creates more problems than, it, than it's worth. But organizations that just go, this is, yeah, we can invest the next you know, two to three years in, in a campaign in this space. And that's, that's really meaningful for us. So hopefully that helps answer that question, how to connect with us. Um, yeah, everyone needs to come through, um, you know, Blair or, or uh, myself or through the website so we can actually meet with you and understand what the vision is. And then we consolidate where do we overlap in those spaces and how can we help each other. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. If you would like to find out more about Dad's Group or join a digital Dad's Group session, which is what these podcast episodes are recorded from, or connect with one of our amazing partners, please go and check out our website at www.dadsgroup.org, which we will also add in our information in the podcast notes. Um, please remember to like, subscribe, and review, and please share to, with any dads and families that may benefit from hearing this podcast. Cheers, guys, and we are so pumped to do this journey with you.